shooting that that particular scene, like Faith said, you you try not to think of your daughters in any sort of context like that because you don't want to put that out into the ethos at all. So you sort of keep that in your back of your head. And and Isabel, she's laying on my lap and she just looks up at me and says, what's the thing you love most about your daughters? And then they said action. And it just tore me apart. Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Awardist, where we are breaking down the state of the 2022 Emmys race and chatting with the actors, creators, and more who are contenders this year. I am Entertainment Weekly Senior Awards Editor Jared Hall, and joining me this week is someone who I'm really happy is here before she bids farewell to us here at EW uh, in the coming weeks. She has led us through a, uh, a lot of change at this publication within the last year, and she's done so with a really steady hand and full heart, and it's been a great privilege of mine to work alongside her and, and certainly learn from her. So please join me in welcoming our Editor-in-Chief, Mary Margaret. Oh, thanks, Jared. Of Glad course. Glad to be here. Well, uh, I'm really happy to have you here. We have a lot to talk about today uh, as it as it relates to Emmys. First, I'm going to let everyone know who our guests are on today's show. Uh, <laughs> Real life, husband and wife, they are country music superstars, Tim McGraw and Faith Hill. Uh, you know, they weren't looking to star together in something, but... As fate would have it, Yellowstone Universe mastermind Taylor Sheridan created two characters that I think feel written just for them as James and Margaret Dutton on the Yellowstone prequel series 1883. Um, So many fans of this. It was Paramount Plus's biggest show to date. Not that Paramount Plus is all that old, but still, it's it's, you know, big kudos to them for what they created there. Taylor Sheridan, just wow. What he has been able to do with... Yellowstone with this entire universe. Of course, we uh, you know previewed this show before it was coming out, and he's um, he's. I feel like he's kind of Hollywood's new uh, Uber producer when we're looking in the grand scheme of you know Ava DuVernay's and Shonda Rhimes and Ryan Murphy. Like Taylor Sheridan now is right up there with me. I don't know how you feel about that. I agree. I think he's the one that people don't remember, and I think it's because. <laughs> He lives in this like Western world that isn't really prestige Hollywood in the normal sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so if he was doing something with like a British accent, I think then people <laughs> would know him. But yeah, um, yeah, I think I think he's definitely the sleeper sort of power player that that has gone under the radar for a really long time. Yeah, and we know he has uh, Tulsa King coming. That is starring Sylvester Stallone. He has more in this world of Yellowstone. Um, Harrison Ford and Helen Mirren are on his next series, 1932, which is uh, you know highlighting another generation of the Duttons. He's just doing some really incredible work. Uh, but we will get to Tim and Faith in just a bit. Okay, here's what I want to talk to you about, Mary Margaret, because it has been almost exactly a year since you joined us here at EW right at the time. Uh, I think we were wrapping up our our Pride issue, yes. the June Pride issue, and then we were getting into the July issue, which was um, very heavily actually Emmys focused. Yeah, we had Jason Sudeikis, Ted Lasso star on the front cover. And if you flipped it over, it was something we hadn't done in a very long time at EW. We internal lingo was just the flip package. Um, but yeah, we had a second cover featuring the flight attendants, Kaylee Cuoco, and a lot of Emmys content in there. First of all, just hard to believe that's been a year. Yeah, I mean, I think that is a fun time capsule, I think, too, not just for EW, but just in terms of entertainment. And like when you look back at where those shows are or were at the time, it's just kind of amazing to see just the progression of not just the fandoms, but um, 
in general, just the state of entertainment and, and the Emmy race overall. Yeah, it was interesting because that was uh, coming up on season two of Ted Lasso. I remember being at that premiere last year. Everyone was so excited to see it. That was for season one of The Flight Attendant. They finally just got to have their very first premiere, but for season two. Um, so all of these like strange things that, you know, the pandemic has put off. But obviously, we're getting back out uh, into the world and doing things. But um, yeah, now The Flight Attendant in season two, it's not getting quite as much acclaim, I think, uh, as I season one. I don't but know it's, why. I, right? I honestly think it's better. Oh, I know. I'm. I'm a very. Oh. I'm in the. I'm in the minority here. Oh, okay. I mean, I don't think it's bad by any means. Uh, it's very flight attendant. They're maintaining what they set up in season one. There is that kind of m- mental mayhem going on. Yeah. Um. That's all still there. Kaylee Cuoco. I-, I love that they're giving um Sasha Mamet more to do. Love her so much. Agree. And I'm, so I think the thing that I love about it, and maybe this is both like as a fan, but also just as someone in, in the entertainment industry overall, is just using it as like a character study. Mm. And Kaylee, I think, is just knocking out of the park. The fact yep. that there's all these alter egos. Yeah. And I feel like in terms of Emmys overall, like who doesn't love, uh, you know, an actress, an actor in general, just stretching yeah. in all those ways. I think it's just impressive. And um, it's definitely kooky. It's definitely zanier yeah. than season one. But I think that's kind of what you love about the show. Yeah. Um, she joked at the premiere that um, she does not want to work with herself ever again. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, she she got her fill of that, I guess. But um, I, I didn't mean to go off on a, a flight attendant tangent there, but we didn't. And I'm glad we did. Um, I, I do want to talk to you about... The state of Emmy campaigning, because Mm -hmm. it seems they are starting earlier and earlier every year, even before the Oscars have aired. Um, You know, voting for nominees doesn't start until June 16th. I feel like we're it's really only been like four months in, but it feels like it's been eight months. Um, And, you know, there are very specific rules um, that apply to campaigns and official Academy events. But I guess what I'm wondering from you is, can you ever see a world where the Academy puts perhaps like a limited window on when we start to see FYC billboards around town or when networks and streamers can really start holding events and putting out ads and stuff? I don't know if it's necessarily about a window. I mean, maybe. I think think the interesting thing as the industry evolves is seeing if it's similar to sports, right? When you're trying to basically build a team, like, is there going to be caps on how much people Mm. can spend? Because I think that is a really, really big shift over the past few years is seeing all these tech companies and these streamers come into this space. Um, And when I see streamers, I mean more of the ones um, who have that tech money, not necessarily sort of like the HBO Maxes of the world, who can invest in ways that, you know, more traditional networks um, can't. And I think that that will be a bigger shift and change. I think overall, it would be really interesting if the Academy implemented something like that. Yeah. I mean, we know there's a lot of money spent every year uh, between basically like March and September on these campaigns. Yes. And I would say it's uh, probably more than half of their marketing budgets every year go just to these six months. Yeah. I mean, look, as someone who, you know, we all work in this industry, we like to benefit from yeah, also of a lot of that funding. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, you know, over time, it'll also depend on like, there's, it's just a lot of noise. And yes. especially when it comes to events, we're all thirsty 
to get back into the world, to get back together. Um, but at the same time, those things are incredibly expensive. And if you mm-hmm. look at everything that Netflix is going through, um, you know, it's potentially a big warning for other people. Um, although, again, as we talked about a couple of days ago, our inboxes are flooded with invites um, <laughs> yeah. from different streamers. So it seems like the money well has not dried up um, or is not drying up anytime soon. Yeah, that's for sure. You know, we have certainly seen in April and May a just a, a deluge of series and, uh, you know, TV movies that have premiered uh, in these two months. I guess you could chalk it up to being the equivalent of for the Oscars, you know, movies releasing in November and December. I think that's a fair comparison. Yeah, I definitely do. I mean, I think the hardest thing, though, obviously, you know, this first and foremost is at least for a movie, you know, you're kind of done, hopefully, in under three hours. Um, <laughs> That's so and true. You kind of go out your day. But with, yeah. a, with a series, like you really have to invest yep. and it's a lot of time. And that is so I mean, maybe that also is one reason why things are starting early. Mm-hmm. You we're seeing a mountain load of content that we've never seen before. Yeah. And voters just need more time to watch things. So, you know, I can see, I can understand why people are starting early Mm -hmm. because a lot of times, you know, we're sort of victims of this. We just only have so many amount of of hours in a day. We can only watch so many things. Um, So really what gets our attention earliest and soonest and and most is the thing that, you know, we will pay attention to. Yeah. And, you know, Sci-fi movies and TV shows promised me a long time ago that we'd have clones by now. So uh, (laughs) I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting just for one that I can dedicate to watching screeners. Um, All of that said, uh, you know, how much work it is and how much content there is and and all of that stuff. I certainly don't want to sound like we're complaining because it's a wonderful job to be able to watch all of this art. Yeah, it really is. Um, All of that said, what is your your favorite part of Emmy's season? Ooh, that's a good question. I mean, I think, you know, besides the parties, which are always, always delightful, yeah. dear listeners, um, <laughs> are I think it really is just the celebration of and like being able to look at the shows that we love in different mm-hmm. ways. And I think that that is really nice where, you know, especially since we've spent so much time on our own, it is a mm-hmm. way to collectively yeah. celebrate entertainment. And that's a really great thing that is special about entertainment. It's one of those forms that is universal and and regardless of you know what you think or where you're coming from if you like a show that someone else also really likes like you mm-hmm. have a bond and a, like immediate connection which is so fun and i think that's the right thing about emmy season it it sparks that debate but yeah. it also just sparks that joy um that we're you know that we can again delight in these amazing pieces of art but then also again go to town on the things that we disagree on for the things that we think aren't so great. So yeah. um, I love it all. Yeah, we live in a world right now where there are some very intense debates and to be able to um, debate entertainment um, is a nice little relief, isn't it? It is. <laughs> it's it, a is. Respite. it is. Yeah. It's like a nice escape, <laughs> yeah. which is, I think, what entertainment at its core allows us to do. For sure. Um, okay. I want to uh, today, uh, over the course of uh, the season, we've been breaking down specific categories here. We've talked a lot about uh Gosh, drama category and limited series and actor and actress in a comedy. Today, I want to break down specifically with you actor in a limited or anthology series or TV movie. This is just a sampling of uh, some of the guys who are up for this category. Michael Keaton for Dope Sick, Andrew Garfield for Under the Banner of Heaven, Ben Foster for the movie The Survivor, Oscar Isaac for both Scenes from a Marriage and Moon Knight, Paul Bettany, A Very British Scandal, Colin Firth for The Staircase, Sebastian Stan 
Pam and Tommy, Samuel L. Jackson, The Last Days of Ptolemy Gray. We just had him here on the uh, podcast last week. Also, Himesh Patel was on here. Uh, he's up for Station Eleven. Jared Leto in We Crashed. Joshua Jackson as Dr. Death. Miles Teller in The Offer. I'm. There are so many more that uh, I'm not really able to do. I could talk all day about the, the folks. But first of all, do you have a, a favorite? among these, or maybe someone I didn't mention. No, I. you know what? I think the first person you mentioned, Michael Keaton for yeah. Dope Sick, it's, it's going to be hard to beat him. Yep. Not only because of his performance, but just the general love for Michael Keaton. Yeah. Like he's just a force and has always been and um, is just a favorite in any way. So I, I can't imagine that performance, which really also helped like capture a cultural conversation yeah. and a really important conversation. Um, that's going to be a really, really hard one to beat. Yeah. And especially, gosh, after that incredibly personal and emotional speech he gave at the uh, SAG Awards. So amazing. Yeah. I, I don't think that's one that uh, a lot of folks will forget anytime soon. I feel like in another year without Michael Keaton in this category, Oscar Isaac is one who's so deserving for Scenes from a Marriage. And Andrew Garfield is getting a lot of praise for, uh, rightfully so, for Under the Banner of Heaven. Yeah. They're both great. I mean, yeah. I think the interesting I, Station Eleven is kind of a fascinating one, mm, yep. which I think is has so many things that makes it a darling in general. Yep. And so it would be interesting to see like how Hamesh overall, you know, to your point, if there was no Michael Keaton, yeah. which hopefully that will never happen, um, how that sort of ages and does, because mm -hmm. I think um, his performance was also incredible on a show that was definitely a game changer. Mm, uh, for sure. Um I, I think what I will be a little upset if this happens, if Sebastian Stan gets nominated for Pam and Tommy, but Lily James does not. I agree. Okay. I agree. That I, I agree. think would just be a travesty. It would be. It would be. It would add a dramatic element to the narrative overall right? of Pam, Pam and Tommy yeah. and, you know, justice for Pam. And I hope that doesn't happen because I agree. She's incredibly deserving. I think the thing with Sebastian Stan, he, he gave a really great performance. But I think as a viewer and, of course, as as a as a voter, then you just didn't like Tommy. And I think that right? might bleed into things a little bit. Yeah. He had a really tricky uh, thing to navigate there where, uh, I mean, Tommy Lee is just such an over the top personality. And that could have come off like a caricature, like he was in an SNL sketch, but he wasn't. And that was a really fine line to walk there. That is true. Look, this is nothing against Sebastian Sands' talent. No, not at Did all. Did a terrific job. Yeah. I think the hard part is it's Tommy Lee and, <laughs> you know, it's yeah. just hard to vote for Tommy Lee versus right. the other people on right. the list. Because that's true. In this case, it does feel like you're voting for Tommy. Which is, yeah, but that's an interesting predicament there. Um, okay, lastly, I'm asking uh, all of the guest co-hosts who come through here, uh, their kind of dream nomination, the show or performer you think should be getting more attention and you hope their name is called come Nominations Day in July. I think for me on the show level, I hope that Squid Game, which feels like it's, you know, it's been around for a while now. It's been a long award season and now another long award season is descending upon us, um, mm -hmm. but also Pachinko. And I just hope they don't cancel each other out yeah. because, I mean, they're such different shows. Um, and I would just hope that, you know, there it's not an either or situation with um, something that is in a different language and is not English. Um, so I hope because they just deserve all the attention and success that those shows have been getting, that their names will both be called. And then I think um, on the comedy side, 
Abbott Elementary, Ugh. you know, from the show yeah. itself to pretty much everyone on the cast is just so stellar. Mm-hmm. Uh, the writing is really terrific. Um, I think that it was a little show that could and it did. Mm-hmm. And I hope I hope it'll it'll um, resonate with the voters as well. Yeah, I hope so, too. Um on the topic of uh, Pachinko, that, I mean, we, we need to reiterate here, it is EW critic Kristen Baldwin's, so far of 2022, her best show of the year. Uh, and and I think the bar is set very high there for her. But um, if you aren't as familiar, be sure to check out her review and uh, you can watch that series on Apple TV+. Um, all right. We have so much more still to come here. Tim McGraw and Faith Hill battled the elements for their roles in the Paramount Plus series 1883. They tell me all about that, what they learned about each other after being married for 25 years, and that incredibly emotional finale. That's all coming up right after this break. The awardist will be right back. Welcome back to The Awardist. Lots of horseback riding, lots of gun shootouts, lots of just incredible acting in the Paramount Plus series 1883. And a lot of that is coming from these two folks right here, Tim McGraw and Faith Hill. Enjoy. Congratulations to both of you, to everyone really involved in this production, because it's uh, it's just top notch. And, and a lot of things I want to talk to you uh, about regarding that. So Go let's on, dig in, shall we? If my research is right, the last time uh, both of you acted in something, I think it was 2017. So were you were you actively looking for an active uh, an acting project, or was this kind of you know all about Taylor Sheridan reaching well, out? I mean, I guess the only time we've acted together, I guess, would be in a video. If, if that's what you're referring to, yeah. that's really a- well. No, a- acted period. Either you like even separately. Oh yeah, the last well, thing we did oh. uh, each of you. I think was yeah, um, yeah. No, we weren't looking for anything to do together. I don't think we've ever quite even thought about it, to tell you the truth. But this came about, Taylor called, you know, my years are going to get a little mixed up because over the last couple of years, you know, with COVID and everything, everybody's <laughs> time yeah. frame was a little skewed. But um, mm-hmm. we were sitting at home and I got a phone call from a number I didn't recognize. And typically I don't answer those numbers because you never know who it's going to be. <laughs> but I answered it and it was Taylor. and he. He was asking me to if I liked Yellowstone. Of course, Faith and I were huge Yellowstone fans from the very beginning. And he wanted me to come on and, and do a scene on Yellowstone. And, you know, I, I, if I'd be interested in it, and I told him I certainly would be interested in it. I love the show. But I, I don't want to be, mm-hmm. you know, some singing cowboy that, that hangs out in the bunkhouse for a little while and gets taken to the train station at the end of the episode. I'd like to come up with something a little more interesting than that. And he, and he said, give me a few weeks. And then he called back and he had the idea of doing the flashbacks with, with the original Dutton that founded the, the ranch. And then he said, you know, you'll have a wife in this. Do you think Faith would be interested in it? And told Faith about it. And she was like, yeah, well, heck, heck yeah, I got yeah, a wife well, sitting right over there. She ain't doing anything. Come on. Might, might as well. <laughs> you know, we, we weren't touring. Nothing was going on. So we took a road trip to Montana and yeah. spent a couple of weeks and shot those flashback episodes. And then a couple of months after that, Taylor called and said that he, he had showed the rough cuts of the flashbacks to the studio and, and they wanted to buy a whole season. Would we be interested? Would we be interested? And, um, and then the process began. Yeah. Okay. So, I, I mean, you, you joke, but Faith, was it in, like pretty easy for you to say yes? Or, you know, what, what kind of questions did you maybe have? Um, for the flashback, I really 
didn't have any question at all for the flashback for Yellowstone. I just wanted to kill someone. <laughs> was my only, was, I mean, was my only request. Yeah, she, she wanted, yeah, she wanted, she wanted to have a gun in her hand. Um, yeah. That didn't happen then. So fast forward to, um, to 1883. And uh, yeah, we were incredibly flattered and, and, and extremely interested. And the prospect of that, uh, again, as Tim said earlier, we had, we've been approached to do things together in the past, mm-hmm. but um, just hasn't been the right project. Uh, so mm-hmm. after we started reading um, episodes that were coming in, from 1883, Taylor was sending them, mm-hmm. you know, the first three or four got pretty quick, quickly, and then they were trickling in, and we were hooked mm-hmm. right away. And by mm-hmm. by the end, it was like, wow, this is uh, one of the most incredible things we've ever read, ever, <laughs> for either one of us. Mm-hmm. Um, so to, It was so beautifully written. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so to have just the, the thought of being able to do something of that writing together uh with taylor was was a gift it was a true gift and couldn't say no thankfully we were both able to do it and available which is so rare <laughs> um, <if laughs> yeah. that happens yeah. yeah yeah well timing timing is certainly everything sometimes okay so you obviously knew what you were signing on to in terms of the characters and the story and and you know where the arc of 1883 was going to go but in terms of <laughs> The physical production. <laughs> like, did you really know what you were getting yourselves into? We're, we're sure, but I remember sitting on our porch <laughs> when we finally got the deal all hammered out and went through all of that process and we were getting ready to sign. I looked at Faith and I said, all right, first thing is when we sign this, we are no longer the boss <laughs> anymore. <laughs> we're, we're hired hands. So we got to remember <laughs> that right off the bat. Secondly, I said, we're not going to have any any comfortable times on this. It's, it's either going to be burning hot or freezing cold and it's going to be outdoors and it's going to be very physical and we're riding horses the whole time. And then thirdly, you know, we, we knew that we had a little bit of a, a bar to reach, not only because of the cast and the writing and all that other stuff, but, but also we didn't want people to look at the screen and see Tim and Faith. And we knew that that was going to be something that we had to overcome. And we looked at each other and said, the only way to overcome any of these obstacles is to just go kill it. And um, we sort of gave each other a high five and a kiss and signed the contract. (laughs) I mean, that that feels like a kind of like a a, just a freedom. You have to give yourself permission to just give Mm. in. Um, Because especially in the entertainment industry. um, I mean, I don't know how you guys feel about this, but, you know, certainly like vanity is a thing that exists (laughs) and there could, you know, be none of that on this. No, there there was no (laughs) vanity. Tell me about it. (laughs) Tell me about that. (laughs) No beauty lighting, no beauty makeup, (laughs) none of that stuff. It was just full dirt on your face all the time. Yeah. Yeah. It was physically hard. Not afraid of that Mm. at all. Not afraid of doing something never done before. Mentally, though, it was just as taxing. Mm-hmm. So uh, everyone experienced the same thing together. And the fact that we all got along so well, cast yeah. and crew, and, and, and then walking through this process together, and that we believed so much and what was on paper. Like, mm-hmm. if you don't have that, if that doesn't exist mm-hmm. first, I feel the chances of something being really amazing are 
they become less and less. Well, it's just like finding yeah. a great song. Yeah. I was about to say the same. Yeah. You guys, you guys understand the power of writing. Yeah. So the fact that all of us were on the same page and regarding like, we know this is going to be tough. And, and, and we complained to one another and all of us did, you know, God, I know, I can't believe that time, that call, what, you know, all these things, it's mm. freezing outside and the wind is howling at mm. 60, 80 mile per hour gust, whatever it was, it felt like mm. that sometimes. But again, it, we're just committed to doing the best we possibly could um, and bringing these characters that were written mm. to life. And we did mm-hmm. have the comfort of our own home. When we not our, I mean, where we were staying, all of us did. Sure. So it's really, it's making movies. It's not real life. Yeah. 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 You weren't, you weren't really staying in, in tents and sleeping on the no, ground. No, no, no. Yeah. But, but <laughs> we course. also had yeah. such, I mean, behind the scenes, all the crew, the camera people, everybody. Mm-hmm. And then the actors we were the working wranglers. with. The wranglers. Mm-hmm. But the actors we were working with brought their A game every single day. I mean, it was just an incredible ensemble. I think that yeah. if anything for mm-hmm. me comes out of all of this is the recognition of the ensemble of this cast. Yeah. I think that the cast mm-hmm. from the smallest part so to the biggest parts, everybody really contributed and brought their A game up. It was really beautiful to watch everybody work. And I learned something every day from everybody. Same. Especially mm-hmm. that woman right there. <laughs> Shoot. Yeah. Hold that thought. That is a question I have. I'm going to come back to that on the topic of how tough this shoot was. There are horses. There are action scenes with these shootouts. There are river crossings and plenty of death. Too much uh, death that uh, you know the, these characters mm-hmm. really had to experience. But is there is there specifically a a day or a, you know like a scene or sequence that you think back to that was especially uh, a pain to get through? I don't know about a pain, but it was certainly an experience. It was when we did the river crossing and Faith was driving the wagon mm-hmm. and I'm swimming the yeah, horse wow. across the river. And we did that probably around three in the morning. And that happened four. to be four, four in, the morning. in the morning. And it happened to be on our 25th <laughs> wedding anniversary. And it was probably oh, 36, oh. 37 degrees outside. The water was really cold. That that was a, and the horses, you know, weren't very happy about any of it. So it, that was probably... One of the most challenging and dangerous, I think, I think scenes that we shot. It was, and it, it was hands down one of the most terrifying. I had one other incident, but that one was was pretty um, spectacular on every single mm. level. I remember Taylor coming to me. I'm sitting in a director's chair, and and um, they're trying to figure out how deep the water is. I mean, there's a lot that went into that those few days of. of filming and that particular scene and it was four in the morning and I'm sitting there going whoo I am really tired (laughs) I'm ready to call it a day it's been a long day and he comes over and he goes well you ready to get on the wagon ready to cross the river I'm like yeah of course let's do it (laughs) and I thought I thought I was going to cross maybe at the river's edge or something I didn't realize that it was going to be literally going across this river Oh. And it got, it got, he, as he called it, he goes, that was real Western right there, girl. That <laughs> it got Western happened. quick. Yeah. <laughs> it got Western quick and it sure did. Yeah. It was so Yeah. I mean, it's, that's really an unforgettable scene that, that entire episode. Uh, I mean, kudos to you on that. I, I could not have done that. It takes a special kind of uh, <laughs> per- person, I think. Um, you, you mentioned there was another one, Faith, another kind of specific scene or moment. For you, that was particularly tough. 
nothing that was shown, um, but it was just the, Mm. we're talking about all the training that we had to go through physically in the preparation for filming this. Um, You know, I never dreamed, you have dreams of doing things in life. I never dreamed that I would actually drive a wagon (laughs) as part of my (laughs) anything. And it's actually something that I have a whole new respect for. Everything that has to do with cowboy life, I have a whole new respect for. But driving a wagon is very hard. For some reason, I was really good at it. Oh, she was I was great better at, it, at yeah. that. I was better at driving wagons than I was actually riding horses. However, I mean, there are things that the, the horses can get spooked. Even just riding mm-hmm. horses, as we all know, they're animals. And uh, just had a, a wild experience one day filming and... It just was a reminder that even though, you know, <laughs> there's all the stunt people around and I was driving mm-hmm. and things happen and it's, you know, you have to take the those things seriously because it's legit. <laughs> You're trained for a reason. And I think that mm-hmm. was Taylor's intent is to make it as authentic as possible. And the only way to do that is to put the actors in to learn how to do this stuff properly. Mm-hmm. And so... Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's hard enough as an actor, you know, to be in a world and create these moments and and deliver your lines and and, and do them realistically and and truthfully. But to do it with the elements and do it with horses and animals and everything else that's going on, it was really brilliant that we had the opportunity to spend a couple of weeks at what they call cowboy camp before and spend time Mm -hmm. on horseback and, and training on wagons and training with our guns and doing all the things that you needed to do to get comfortable with. Yeah. Having said all of that, then, uh, was there room for any, like, were there any happy accidents on set? Something that wasn't really intended, but it was like, you know what, that works and let's go with it. Hmm. I don't know if it was a happy accident or not, but um, we had the scene where Face Slaps Me was pretty real. (laughs) (laughs) It seemed like it. I felt it too. I think I was concussed (laughs) after after about five takes of that. And um, what? I, I, I like Ooh. I, I wondered Ooh. if we needed to have a conversation after after, <laughs> after we had, had that. Scene. There's no, there was no stage choreography there. No, like perfectly timed no, to no, turn no, the no. head. It was a full on. It's funny. Yeah. Think about that for a second. The question you just asked. They never jumped in, did they? There was no staging, so they were like they no, were enjoying that whole process, it. weren't they? They, they liked, liked that it. scene a lot. You liked it too. <laughs> I sure did. It was good. <laughs> it was a good scene. I, I think you, as a viewer, you you felt it. Okay, so going back to something you kind of touched on, Tim. First, I'm wondering what each of you learned about yourselves playing James and Margaret and what you learned about each oh, other. Wow. Having been married, like you said, 25 years, uh, celebrated that anniversary on set. Um, what'd you learn about each other and yourselves? Well, about each other, I mean... I was in awe of Faith every day. I mean, she showed up and just delivered just fantastic scenes every single day. And then watching it back and just, I was, I was just so full of pride for her. Um, I just, um, she elevated me every day. It made me better Aww. just watching her and watching how good she was and how professional she was. I couldn't, I mean, I knew, I know how good she is and I know how, Whenever she tackles something, she's going to give it everything she's got. But uh, I can honestly say that she just completely surprised me and blew me out of the water of how good she was. That that was Aww. the takeaway that I got. And then for myself, I realized that, that 
I can survive for six months on about two hours of sleep, a night, which is about what, about what it was for me every night. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Ooh. Wow. Well, I have to say the same about watching Tim. Obviously, I've seen him work before in film. I've seen it in person and I've seen the end result. And uh, he's an, a true actor. And it is it is a craft that that is to be respected. It is it's not something you just jump up and do and like ah oh, that's just acting. Well, it's real and legit. <laughs> uh, um, so I did not want to disappoint. <laughs> I didn't want to disappoint anyone. Taylor, of course, the a- other actors, myself, but particularly my husband. I did not want him to <laughs> walk away from there going. Holy crap, what did we do and why? <laughs> because of me. Um, so watching him do his scenes, I, I remember the first day that you filmed, your first scene was with Sam Elliott. Mm-hmm. I know, I how about there, that? Yeah. I know, how about mm, that, right? Yeah. I mean, I can't believe yeah. I can, you can still walk through the door of our house. Your head must be so large, but um, <laughs> it was. I just sat there and I was just like, wow, whoa, I got to really know my, I got to, I, I mean, just like, I didn't think about another thing. It was, it was just Margaret and James for me. And because we've been married this year, 26 years, um, this is the only thing we've never done together at professionally. Uh, mm-hmm. And so for me, it was really important that we didn't run lines together. Um, we didn't talk about the scene that we were going to be working on the following day together ever. Uh, we just wanted to keep it fresh for me, just because you know I have not done this as often. Um, for me, the only way to find that true uh, spontaneity, mm-hmm. the uh, authenticity that needed to be real in the moment, is is to experience it for the first time mm-hmm. <laughs> in the moment. Yeah. I didn't want to, yeah, I, I wanted it to just feel real, like it was the first time we'd had the conversation. Yeah, and also I think mm-hmm. that, you know, we realized coming into it as well that we had a pretty high bar to reach for people to not see Tim and Faith on screen because, mm-hmm. you know, of our careers and being married for so long. And, and it'd be hard, it's going to be hard for people to not just see Tim and Faith. So that, in my mind, that was one of the reasons I didn't want to run lines together and really work on scenes together because mm-hmm. we didn't want to bring us into the, I mean, yeah. us sort of metaphorically because of our relationship and our chemistry <laughs> right. and all those things, but we didn't want to bring Tim and Faith yeah. into the scene. We wanted it to be all James and mm-hmm. Margaret all the time. Yeah. It's funny because yeah. I never, yeah. ever thought of that. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Yeah, no, that makes complete sense. Yeah, I mean, right, you can bring the the years of experience and relationship, but yeah, leave leave Tim and Faith at the door. Mm-hmm. Completely get that. Faith, when you were with uh, John, and by the way, kudos to Adi Rick. He's yes, he's so good. Yeah, yeah, loved watching those scenes with him. Um, but specifically, there's a scene, Faith, where you're where Margaret's explaining to him what it means to have spirit and and finding that thing that drives you. So I guess that's my question to both of you. What drives you? Where do you find your spirit? Mm. Wow. Well, for me, um, it's, it's not, I mean, the the first answer right off the bat is my family, my, my wife and my daughters and, and doing things that make them proud of what we do and, and also showing them a good work ethic. 
and showing them that you can accomplish your dreams if you work hard at it. Um, and secondly, is a need to be better at everything that you do. I mean, a need to learn, a need to, to grow, a need to um, make everything that you do elevate. And um, the only way to do that is to dive in and just try to find ways, observe, look at people around you who you respect, observe what they do, watch what they do, and find something within yourself to turn turn the sort of turn the volume up. Whew, that's a good question. Um, after working and during working uh, on this, I, I don't even know what to call it. <laughs> this experience uh, together was certainly want to make family proud. They know good work ethic. They've seen it their whole lives. Tim and I both grew up with it. That's why we know it's one of the most important things in life in general. It's uh, it's important as humans to have good work ethic. Um, gives us purpose, you know, to live. However, just to grab every opportunity that comes along and just grab it by the horns and just freaking go for it. You know, I mean, just put, if you just, if you've made the choice and the decision to do something, then do it and do it like mm -hmm. it's the last time you'll ever, ever do it again. Mm -hmm. For mm -hmm. me, that's, mm. that's my spirit. <laughs> that's, that's a great way to live. Honestly, that's uh, some good advice right there. Okay. There is one specific scene that I do really want to break down and talk about. Uh, I could have talked about probably 15 or 20 here. Um, but specifically in the finale, uh, gosh, I'm already feeling myself getting emotional thinking <laughs> oh, uh, about all if of you're it. you're getting but, emotional, um, Lord. I know. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> I'll start first when Faith, uh, the goodbye between Elsa and Margaret. <sighs> it's so unexpected because it's not this overtly emotional moment where mom is breaking down with the daughter and, and you know, th there's that big, long goodbye. What is very heartbreaking, though, by the way, was that, uh, that line, see you in the valley, mama? Mm. Oh, that, that one sent me. I, I was done with that. I had to hit pause for a second. <laughs> um, okay, so, so tell me what you, well, just about filming that scene, what you loved about that moment. And then I'm also curious, the first time... Uh, you saw Tim's final scenes with Isabel May, who was just phenomenal this entire series, by the way. Yes, yeah, she was. Ditto on Isabel May being phenomenal in this entire mm -hmm. series from beginning to end. She is such an incredible actor. Mm -hmm. And I have to be honest and say the first time we read the script and, and I and, and I read it again, I thought to myself, what a remarkable, remarkable character to play for a young mm -hmm. woman. I mean, I just yeah. found it to be just, in, just so inspiring. And I could not wait to see what she was going to do with it. And she soared. Mm -hmm. Like she carried, mm -hmm. I mean, it's just, it gives me chills to just talk about it. And she's just, just so extraordinary that, I mean, her life will change because of this. Yeah. Um, I, it's hard to talk, there's a, <laughs> You started me on this. Now I'm not going to be able to make it through. But, Sorry. <laughs> um, there's a few places within the series that I seriously can not even speak about because I had to go to such places to get um, what was needed that I just can't access that, you know, um, 
Mm-hmm. And I won't allow myself to think about my own children or our, well, yeah, our I was children. Say, I just having can't. three daughters of your own mm-hmm. yeah, who are around Elsa's age. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just have never been able, and I will never, uh, I just don't think in that way or use that for anything. But I did have uh, a place and it was tough. And uh, that was tough, what she said, see you in the valley. I mean, the thought of, you know, many, many families are, have dealt with that, you know, throughout millennia. But right now, the world is in a very challenging place. And there's a lot of that kind of departure, um, separation that's happening in real time, in real life. Yeah. And I can't imagine not being with my child in their final moments of life ever. Mm. So it was tough. Um, the hardest part was not just completely breaking down and just being, you know, mm-hmm. nothing but just crying a river. Because um, I always told the director, once I start, I, uh, it's going to be tough for me to stop. <laughs> I did not see. I did not go to Montana to watch Tim and Isabel film the final scene because I had, I was filming that day and uh, it was shot out of sequence. So it was earlier in our filming uh, that, that they went up and did that. Mm -hmm. So I saw it for the first time when everyone else did. Um, And it was powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Tim, for you, what was that moment? Especially knowing now you had to shoot it so early. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I think it was after the fourth episode, fourth or fifth episode, we flew up oh. to Montana to shoot that. Um, and I knew it was coming and, and I knew it was going to be a very tough emotional moment. And, and, you know, I also knew that James kept everything sort of bottled up inside. And the only time he really showed any emotion at all was when it was about his family. Um, and again, mm-hmm. for me as well, throughout the entire shoot, there were plenty of times where me as me because I'm a pretty emotional person, so they can tell you I'll cry at a commercial. You know, I'm I'm I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty easy crier. So some of those scenes to to not cry and still be emotional was really tough for me. Jeez. Some of the, some of the scenes to try to hold it together and and show the subtext of the emotion that you have without really letting it all go and letting the audience have that experience and not you having that experience. But um, but shooting that that particular scene, we shot it maybe three or four times. The very first time we, Isabel and I both were just a, a blubbering mess shooting the first, the first take of it. And then Taylor said, all right, we got that one out of the way. Now let's, now let's go shoot it. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it was, it was really, uh, you know, you, you're having the conversation and, you know, you, like Faith said, you, you try not to think of your daughters in any sort of context like that because you don't want to put that out into the ethos at all. So you sort of keep that in your back back of your head and and Isabel the the scene that we ended up using and I think it was the the next to the last take we took she's laying on my lap and we're getting ready to shoot and she just looks up at me and says what's the thing you love most about your daughters and then they said action oh oh god <laughs> and it just oh. tore me apart <laughs> it absolutely <laughs> tore me apart i mean it was it was perfect timing on her part and um it oh. just it just I, I think the entire crew was crying at the end of that at the end yeah. of that scene. I can only imagine. Yeah. I know what I was like sitting right here on this couch watching. Okay. So uh, it, it, it was really incredible. Okay. Paramount <laughs> Plus, 
They put out a press release saying that they have ordered more episodes. But Taylor Sheridan told Deadline, here's his quote, we wanted to make a 10-hour movie that ended, and that's what we did. Okay, have you guys had any other discussions about filming more episodes? No, no. not at all. 1883 no. is done. I think 1883 is done, right? Yeah. yeah. I, I think it ended perfectly. Okay. I think it was a beautiful 10-hour mm. movie. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. All right. Just wanted to put that to rest for any fans wondering if they're going to get more. Maybe, perhaps, more flashbacks in Yellowstone. I don't know. I, I don't you know, think so. I don't. I don't know. We haven't seen anything or heard anything about that. I mean, I, I personally, I think that these characters should live in sort of an eternity in that world that mm-hmm. Taylor created, and and I, I think it's yeah. one of those things that's going to stand the test of time, and people are going to watch it over and over, and you know, hopefully, mm-hmm. ten or twenty years from now, it'll still be a classic Western show. Yeah. And I, I want it to yeah. stay that way. Don't blame you. Well, um, Tim McGraw, Faith Hill, I cannot thank both of you enough for being on the awardist. Really, Margaret and and James Dutton, I think, are going to go down in history as some of the great uh, Western characters. So uh, wow. it's a, been a pleasure to have you on here and talk to both of you about, about the show and, and these characters. Uh, thank you, sir. Good talking to you, man. Thank you so much. Those two, uh, I really could have talked to them all day. They were so delightful. Uh, Sitting in, both of them in their house, but in separate rooms so that we had good audio and all of that. Love them and appreciate them for that. Um, As musicians, they they know about good audio. But, um, you know, it's interesting. I I asked them there about, uh, you know, if they were going to be in more 1883 because Paramount Plus has ordered it. But Taylor Sheridan was like, nope, our story's done. Now, of course, we know what the answer to that is. It's 1883 Bass Reeves. So they're kind of turning this into an anthology. Uh, Bass Reeves being uh, who many consider to be the inspiration for the Lone Ranger. But he was, uh, you know, a very famous black lawman. Um, So now we know where they're going with all of that. That aside... That river crossing scene that she was talking about being the hardest, I I totally get it, especially now that you know it was four in the morning, very cold water, and she drove that carriage. It's really impressive. I will say I remember when you talked to them before the show premiered, and they were all saying who basically like took to the pioneer life <laughs> the quickest, and they all said Faith. Yeah. And it's and they were all surprised. <laughs> yeah. um, and they were also shown up because she was definitely the pioneer woman at heart. And um, yeah. and so, yeah, it was really fascinating to hear their take on it, especially as a viewer. It was impressive, but it's even more impressive when you knew what it took to, to actually pull that off. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, there's if there's any CG in this series, it's very little. Maybe like there's the, the episode where the tornado comes through. Obviously, that's, uh, you know, some CG going on there. But they were out there in the elements and and they did it. So kudos to them. Um, also, that finale. My gosh. Don't, I don't ruin it for me. I know you still have to watch it, but I don't think I will forget that episode anytime soon. Um, and it's it's really fascinating how they how they approached it, what the fan reaction was and. That's all I will say because I don't want to spoil it, but... I will say it's really hard to work at EW and not get a spoiler, but I've somehow managed it. But I will say the one great thing about Sheridan is that he does pack a punch with the finale and knows how to pull off a surprise that's going to leave you wanting more. So, can't wait. 
Yeah, he sure does. He, he's he been doing that with all of his series and they just keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger as they go on. So um, great job by him and and Tim and Faith and Isabel May, who plays their daughter on the show, is so good. Uh, a really strong supporting cast in that one. Um, so if you've not checked it out, you don't need to watch uh, Yellowstone to check out 1883. You can start there because it is a prequel series um, and you can dive right into that on on uh, Paramount+. Plus. And with that, folks, I bid you adieu. That is our episode of The Awardist this week. If you like what you heard, you can subscribe, rate the podcast, and leave us an award-winning review on Apple Podcasts. And to keep the conversation with us going, follow Entertainment Weekly on all socials at EW on Twitter and at Entertainment Weekly everywhere else. You can also tag me at Jared Hall. Mary Margaret, thank you so much for joining me again. Thank you. Always a pleasure. You're the best. Well, it has been a pleasure having you here. We will see all of you right back here next week. Bye. This episode of The Awardist Podcast is hosted by Jared Hall, produced by Chanel Johnson and Sammy Junio, edited by Sammy Junio. Full episode transcripts are available at EW.com. Thanks for listening. Listener.